Let's pray real quick. Spirit of the living God, we ask you to come in this place. We can do nothing without you. We ask that you bless everyone in this room with hearing your word today. I move myself away and ask that you speak to your people in the way that you want each person to hear. And that clarity and understanding will come from the scriptures. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, enough of the sad stuff. I don't, I don't want to start off sad, but I have to tell you why I was so nervous and why I didn't want to do this. I would have said no, but we're here. Saying no to Amber is kind of hard. Uh, so let's roll. Um, we're going to start with a scripture today. One that I love and that I like. Let's see. Can we get it on the screen? Can we get it up there? Okay. It is John chapter 5, verses 2 through 9. Um, I'm going to read it for you guys, and then we're going to get into this. Hold on. Do I have it? Okay. That's verse 1. What am I doing? Oh, technology. I went to chapter 6. Okay, now we're back at chapter 2. Here, chapter 5. Now there was now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which in the Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is covered, which is surrounded by five covered. Not say that word for the life of me. Anyone got it? That was sad. You all got it. Colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. So, like Eric said, if you haven't noticed, we've been kind of going along with this theme called cycles. And truly, I believe we get caught in these certain cycles. That's why that song would have been so cool. It would have been awesome. I encourage you guys to go listen to it. I'll give you the name of the song. It's called Cycles, and it's by Jonathan McReynolds. It is amazing. He has an amazing voice. And once you hear it, everything will kind of make sense about what we've been doing here. When we look at the man by the pool, we understand what's going on with him. And we can see a reflection of ourselves in him. It's ironic to me that they don't say what's actually wrong with him. The Bible's not truly clear on that. And I believe it's not truly clear on that because it's meant for us to see ourselves in it. Now, maybe you're not physically sick or physically lame, but we have things that bother us. Some of us suffer from anxiety or depression or anger. 
or just a general lack of faith. So with those things in mind, we can see ourselves as the man by the pool wanting to get well. It's not like he wanted to be that way. He was wanting to get well in everything that he did and everything he said. Now, we're family in the room. I've been here enough now. You guys kind of get it. Can I give you my, one of my problems here? I got, a, I, got a, I got a pet peeve with the capital C church, okay? Not this church. Don't take it that way. It's the capital C church. We come Sunday after Sunday dressed up, acting like being a Christian means nothing's wrong. We act as though just knowing Jesus makes everything okay. And believe me, it impacts a lot. But in doing that, we disguise our hurt and our pain and everything that's going wrong with us behind a good morning. That's not real. At some point, we got to get to the point where we understand that the church is what it's truly intended to be, is a hospital. Where broken people can come together, all seeking to find the doctor. I love, I love this scripture right here. It is, hold on, I got to find it, John 20 and verse 20. Jesus had just walked back into the disciples hiding in the upper room. He says, peace be unto you. And then at verse 20, it says, when the Lord had said this, he showed them his scars. And when he showed them his scars, then the disciples were glad. See, they didn't really know that it was Jesus until they saw his scars. They were there that day at the cross when Jesus was crucified. So when they saw the scars, they knew it was him. We hide so much behind what we have, the material things that we have, and, and all these things that we think people want to see. But the church would explode if we ever showed people our scars. If we ever showed them that we don't have everything together, but we all serve a God who does have it all together. It's impactful. When I started this sermon, you guys felt it quick. Why? Because I didn't hide behind what's wrong with me. We got to get to a point, guys, where we're not afraid to be vulnerable. Now, that leads to point two in this sermon. And I promise you this isn't going to be long. But point two, God knows where you are. The man was there for 38 years. Imagine having a problem for 38 years, being close enough to the solution, but not being able to get it. We come to church sometimes and we hide behind the things that are wrong with us. We're in the spot but we won't allow Jesus to actually touch that spot that's wrong with us. But I'm happy we serve a God who knows where we are. He walked right up to the man. He knew where he was. He knew how long he had been staying there. Now, there's a saying <laughs> that I grew up in in church that I heard all the time, and it's, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. 
that always bugged me. Because if I call you, I feel like you ought to show up when I call. If, I, if I'm vulnerable enough to say, Lord, I need your help, I kind of feel like you should be right there. I mean, they do say God's everywhere. So why then sometimes do we struggle with certain things for so long? I truly believe that if he doesn't fix it right away, there's something in it you need to learn. I love this scripture too. Psalms 46 and 1, God is our refuge and strength, and he's a very present help in trouble. Well, if he's a present help in trouble, why do we freak out so much? We freak out because we don't always see him with everything that's going on. The man had no idea who Jesus was. He just knew there was a guy standing by him, kind of staring at him. But I'm grateful that when I didn't know him, he knew me. He knew everything that was going to happen with me and how I was going to end up, which leads to point number three, and this is the one I really want to hit. Do you want to be changed? See, Jesus asked the man, he saw his condition. He knew what was wrong with him. He knew he'd been there for a while. He knew all the pain that the man had gone through while he was sitting at the pool, watching everybody get the blessing that he wanted but couldn't get. So Jesus says to him, will thou be made whole? And right when Jesus says that to him, the man goes into a bunch of excuses. Well, Lord, I would, but I got nobody to help me. Every time I try to get to the pool, someone else gets in the way. And I imagine in my mind's eye that Jesus says, I didn't ask you that. I didn't ask you to bring me a bunch of excuses about what's wrong with you. I asked, will you be made whole? Now think with me for a second. The pain in that man's face had to be real because he's in the spot. The healing's here, but he can't get to it. And now I got this guy seeing something that's wrong with me, asking me, do I want to be made whole? Well, yeah. It's kind of why I've been sitting here by the pool for 38 years. But it took him saying it. Imagine with me, he's, he's, he's upset. He probably couldn't get the words out. All he could do was shake his head and say, yeah, I want it. So God says to him, pick up your bed and walk. Now, if he could have just picked up his bed and walked, he wouldn't have been by the pool. Isn't it funny that God asks us to do something so simple? but it's taking you having the faith to believe that that thing will work, that changes it. Let me give you an example here. When I was prepping for this sermon, when I got to that part right there, I told you guys the first time I was here, my dream for a church, right? A, very, a church that was multicultural, multiracial, and there was a bunch of people in here all serving God together. When I got to that point right there, God said, well, do you want it? And I went to the excuses like the man and said, 
well, I, I do, but I, I don't have anybody that can help me. He said, you're lying. John and Amber are right there. Well, I, I, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I'm strong enough. You're pretty good at this preaching thing, Antoine. All it takes for you to say yes. Now, I told you we have a bunch of cycles that we're in, whether it be a sickness outwardly or a sickness inwardly. And Jesus asked us Sunday after Sunday, will thou be made whole? Do you want to be made whole? Do you trust enough that the God you sing about every Sunday has the power to actually heal you? See, that's the thing that we struggle with because we worry all the time, or we, we think all the time, we sing all the time about God's greatness until it comes to us. And then we have a little bit of doubt. I was sharing with Amber earlier, I like this church. You guys are doing good. But this church could explode. Listen, let me tell you something. You're in the right place. You got the right people. Now, how bad do you want it? One of my favorite scriptures is this. Jesus says, wherever there are two, uh, I take that back. If two or three of you agree as touching anything, it shall be done. Now look, look around. We got more than two or three people in here. If we would actually agree that this church would be a haven for El Dorado, it would be. If we actually believe that this church could be a multicultural center where different races got together, all serving the same God, we may not look alike, we may not speak alike, but we understand that the same blood that I need is the same blood that you need, and Jesus shed it over 2,000 years ago. If we really understood that that's what we wanted, it would happen. So the question becomes, will thou be made whole? Now understand, there's some trauma with that. You got to be vulnerable enough to open up. No longer can we sit back and say, ah, you know, I would love for this church to be, have, have a little bit more inclusion, but I don't know anybody. You can't say that now when you have 500 Facebook friends. Amen? I'm being, I'm being real. When you have people following you on Twitter, you can't say that now. You can't say, I would love to talk to somebody and invite them to church from a different race or a different ethnicity, but I don't know how to find them. When we got a college full, about three miles away, who are begging Someone to open the doors. I promise you, a lot of those kids grew up in church. A lot of those kids have families who took them to church, and they could impact this church in a way that you've never felt. They've just not felt like they've been welcomed. We can't say we can't do it anymore because the world is more connected now than it's ever been. 
The excuses are gone. All you have left is Christ saying, will thou be made whole? Now listen, here in a second, Shelly's going to come up, and she's going to talk a little bit about, uh, what's the best way to put that? Journey she went on. Now I want you to hear her. I want you to understand some of the things she got to see and saw because all it took was her saying she wanted to go. And a whole new world was opened up to her that she didn't realize was there. Whether it be racial reconciliation, an outward sickness that we have, depression, anger, all those things, all it takes is for us asking Jesus to heal us and being vulnerable enough for him to do it. Now, before she comes up, I want to pray real quick. Bow your heads. This is serious because I, I, I feel like there's people in this room who are suffering from some things. And I'm, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I don't want to do that. But if you want to be made whole, I would ask that you'd ask God, yes, I want to be made whole. Father, your people are here. I don't know whether I did a good enough job explaining this, but what they heard were words from you. There are people asking, saying, Father, I want to be made whole, and a simple touch from you will change everything with them. I ask that you touch the areas in their lives that they're afraid of showing. I ask that you protect them in ways that they don't know they need protected. Father, you're doing a great work in this church, and I ask that you continue it. And with these people in this room, start a revival in this city that we've never seen. Let it expand, but let it start here and go outward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's on you. I'm done. Thank you, Antoine. So my name is Shelley Reiswig. I'm the office administrator here at Hope Covenant. So I'm here today to give you hope and meaning to your life here at Hope Covenant Church in El Dorado. Not only have I grown my faith here, but I've discovered a passion of learning that I never knew was inside of me. And I give this all to God for leading me here to this Evangelical Covenant Church, where it was and still is safe to say that I don't believe but I'm willing to listen, learn, and see where it takes me. So I began my journey in Winfield, Kansas, in the Midwest, where I believed as a child my life was great. I had some classmates that were nice, some that were mean, but a handful that didn't look like me. But you know, as a kid, you don't really see that. Now, I went through my schooling not understanding why I needed to know history. U.S., world, government, really anything to do with history. I didn't feel a connection to it in any way or understand why our past 
was so important to learn. And to me, it was just so unreachable. Can any of you relate to that? Maybe it was with math or geography. So life was just happening around me. And looking back, I didn't really feel like that I had a purpose. In my 30s, I took a trip up the East Coast that began my awakening. I saw monuments that I had only seen in books. I got to deliver a book that my great uncle made while walking the death march as a POW of World War II to the Library of Congress in Washington, DC. And this history, it was being preserved and developed in my heart. I took a vacation to New York with that same extended family and saw paintings and sculptures at the New York Met that I had learned and read about in college in a book. So these places and these things that I had seen in books were actually real. The stories in the Bible, they're real. This is another awakening story for a different day. But my pain attention experience began here at Hope Covenant Church in El Dorado, and yours can too. After attending my first Midwest celebration in Kansas City with Pastor Amber, thank you for encouraging me to go, where I saw a bigger picture of what we are a part of here at Hope Covenant and heard more of what we read about in Hope 101, I was curious about this Sankofa trip I kept hearing about. As the deadline approached, my fear and nerves kept me from going. The words we all say or we hear, I can't afford it. I won't know anyone. I can't be gone. The timing is off. What will change if I go? What if I change if I go? So I stayed home. The next year, the Midwest celebration was held in Colorado, and I went to a class on love, mercy, do justice. Now, I sat with no one that I knew, and I cried through the entire presentation that was led by Dominique Gilliard, who happens to be the Director of Racial Righteousness and Reconciliation for the ECC, and David Swanson, who is the nephew of our Midwest Conference Superintendent, Tammy, and he is a pastor in Chicago. While I learned about redlining, now, this term was new to me, and learning how our American towns were developed from the beginning broke me and was something very tangible that I could actually look at in El Dorado. So I came home knowing that I was going to Sankofa this time and attended a local talk at our library on black history in El Dorado led by Sonia Milborn. Sankofa is a word from a tribe in Ghana San means to return, co to go, and fa to fetch, seek, and take. Sankofa attests that we must look backward into our history before we can faithfully move forward together in the present and the future. And that's what the symbol of the bird is, looking back with his feet going forward. The experience does just this by exploring historic sites of the civil rights movement, connecting the freedom struggle of the past to our present realities. So each partnership consists of the same gender, but one being African-American and one being non-African-American. During the journey, we have opportunity to reflect and respond as a group with your partner to videos, presentations, and sites that were visited, which is what makes this so powerful. I learned more history in this time, and it left me hungry for more. We watched movies and documentaries, 
Every moment we were on the bus relating to civil rights. This two-day, three-night trip on a bus <laughs> took us from Lenexa, Kansas, to Birmingham, Montgomery, and Selma, Alabama, and Memphis, Tennessee. I drove to Kansas City on Thursday in the snow by myself, which I could have turned around and came home. <laughs> but I drove there to meet my partner and new friends. My partner was actually Carmelo Coleman, who was a backup singer for Aretha Franklin. She had just gotten home from her funeral that fall. The first night on the bus, we watched the movie Selma and Four Little Girls before arriving in Birmingham, Alabama, Friday morning. One site we visited was the 16th Street Baptist Church, where the four girls were killed in September of 1963. This event made world news, not the best news <laughs> to be shared, and kids from Wells saved coins to have this window made, and it's now in the back of the worship space. Caddy corner from this church is Kelly Ingram Park, where the Children's March took place in May of 1963. There are many sculptures here representing the violence the children and foot soldiers faced including attack dogs, high-powered water hoses, and bombings. This is a really powerful corner because across the street is the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. We didn't have enough time in any space, but each one made a huge impact. Wow. This robe of the KKK sent chills and realities of the Klan that was actually here in El Dorado, Kansas. The freedom buses. This all just happened one generation ago. My mom remembers sitting with her friends of color in the theater and getting kicked out because she was on the, in the wrong section in Winfield, Kansas. So in the afternoon, we traveled to Montgomery where we went to the Equal Justice Initiative the Legacy Museum. Here we heard stories about people incarcerated, and there was an interactive US map where we could select a county and see recordings of lynchings that had taken place, those that they knew of. There were rows of jars with soil that was taken from these sites. The National Memorial for Peace and Justice also known as the lynching memorial, was next. This is a powerful site. My shirt represents it. These large pieces represent a county, and names engraved are those that were lynched there. When you begin, those pieces are on the ground, but as you walk through, the floor slopes, and the pieces begin to rise. By the end, you are under them. Saturday, we traveled to Selma, where Bloody Sunday took place on March 7, 1965. We approached the Edmund Pettus Bridge in silence to honor those that stood for their rights and fought for it. As we crossed, we were walking the same steps that Martin Luther King Jr. did when he led the second march on March 9, 1965. Notice the curve of the bridge 
They couldn't see what was on the other side waiting for them. As we left Alabama, we went to Tennessee. We watched a documentary at that time called The Color of Fear. White privilege. This is another term that I was unfamiliar with and really made me think about life. We ended our trip in Memphis where Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in 1968, the Lorraine Motel, which is now the National Civil Rights Museum. We saw and learned about the events leading up to and following his death, including where the assassin waited. We took a city tour led by Memphis native Elaine Turner. It included the Sanitation March Memorial, but the highlight, if you can even call it that, was the Slave Haven. This Underground Railroad Museum is a must visit if you ever go to Memphis. We learned how slaves were shipped to America, what they endured if they made it, how they were auctioned, how they communicated using songs, and were led to their freedom by quilts hanging outside on clotheslines and fences that had hidden messages in them to guide their journey to the free states. This estate was just blocks from the river, and from 1855, the owner risked his life to help slaves. But you have the opportunity to, opportunity to learn more by experiences through us. If you have any interest on experiencing this history with others that want to learn, heal, and begin bridging the gaps in our world, then take the leap of faith and sign up for Sankofa 2020. Another opportunity is available and actually coming up here pretty quick in February of 2020. Journey to Mosaic is much like Sankofa, but it's taking place in Colorado and Kansas. You partner with someone of the same gender, but different ethnic background, and experience racial injustice in our geographic region. This is being led by Dominic Gilliard, remember that name, and Cheryl Kane. She's a bicultural and bilingual pastor in Illinois. So if you're interested in joining me on this trip, it's our first annual through the Midwest Conference. You can register by December 1. Both of these events you can find on our Church Center app, so be sure to download that on your devices. Download that. There's flyers in the back also that you can take with both of these trips on it and I'll be available to answer any questions. History does matter, and it affects who we are today. You need to expect to be embarrassed and maybe even offend. If this is you, like it was and still is me, ask yourself why and what you need to educate yourself to move forward. Take the time to lament. Sit in the moment. Try to put yourself in their shoes. Respect and submit to what happened without feeling like it's your job to fix it. Acknowledge the history and pain that is still fresh in our recent history. Learn to be okay with being uncomfortable in work, in family, in friendships, and even in church. Reach out and do things to grow. Break your cycles and make your life more interesting and see what God will show you. Thank you.